Welcome, Alternative News listeners. This is 91.7 KOOP Community Radio. This is bringing light into darkness, news, and analysis. I'm your host, Pedro Gatos, and we are transmitting from Austin, Texas, for your listening edification. Today is Thursday, August the 18th, 2022, and this show will be rebroadcast on Monday, August the 22nd, 2022, from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. At koop.org, all comments are welcomed and can be sent to Pedro at pgatos00 at gmail.com. That's pgatos00 at gmail.com. Many of the shows are archived at pedrogatos.org. This is our 120th post-COVID show. A new world, but the same place. So stay tuned for a very informed and documented dialogue. Thank you for joining us. And we hope to have a recording of the show up on pedrogatos.org website for your closer scrutiny within the week. Again, thank you for joining us tonight, and thanks for inviting your friends to join us in future shows. So stay tuned. But first, in the battle of ideas, let's get ready to go to war. Welcome. This is Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis, with your host, Pedro Gatos. Some behaviors are just wrong, and when we ignore that behavior and go after instead persons who brought to the light of day the behavior that is wrong and criminal and was being hidden from public scrutiny, we enable the behavior and encourage it to be repeated. It stands justice on its head and makes the criminal the victim. Bringing forth evidence of malfeasance of our government, such as the malfeasance of the DNC on behalf of Hillary Clinton with the direct cost to Bernie Sanders in the 2016 presidential Democratic primary, had the direct result of undermining the democratic process at one of its highest levels of electoral importance, arguably making it a clear hijacking of our democracy. Meanwhile, to compound that malfeasance, our mainstream media totally ignored these facts and focused instead solely on unsubstantiated claims to this day of Russian collusion in what appeared to be a hack. And all of this points to a systemic malfeasance within our democratic system. Yet without WikiLeaks, this contradiction would have never been revealed. Tonight's show, we seek to bring light to one of the greatest injustices of the 21st century. Enjoy. Welcome, Alternative News listeners. This is 91.7 KOOP Hornsby, Austin. This is Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis. This is your host, Pedro Gatos. Today is Thursday, August the 18th, 2022. This show will be broadcast on Co-op Airwaves live on Monday, August the 22nd, 2022 at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. We live in a world in which there is a great wealth divide that results in great misery for billions of citizens worldwide. The mainstream media news has long ago abandoned the prioritization of informing our, our electorate so we can have a democracy, and instead its prioritization loyalties seem to have turned to entertainment and serving the status quo, the same status quo that protects the egregious levels of wealth inequality that have poisoned our democracy. It does so because it is a business first rather than an honest first broker of breaking news. As a result, it has acted more in line as a marketing public relations firm for that status quo it is subservient to rather than an honest broker of the news. And as a result of that, we are increasingly becoming ill-informed as a public citizenry 
while the majority population interests of our country and their quality of life are increasingly sacrificed. And an inverse result of that sacrifice is the aggrandizement of wealth and the power that comes with that wealth to a small elite of 1% or less. Especially in the arena of U.S. foreign policy and this engineered ignorance, if you will, of the U.S. public citizenry, which results in an unencumbered promotion of war and conflict throughout the world, throughout the years, as has been evidenced by history, a history we have covered intensively on this show, and a history we would be glad to provide you if you've missed those shows. However, this cannot be done without a subjugation of a free press, which instead has sold out to the highest bidder, which results in the press becoming more of a public relations and marketing firm for that very status quo, that it should be acting as a watchdog over on behalf of the interests of the majority population. So this is no less than the sellout of our media. But when you are subservient, not to the pursuit of truth, but instead to marketing uncritically a particular point of view, you have abandoned journalistic integrity principles. And you've become instrumental in creating a misinformed public, which becomes vulnerable to following its government and mainstream media talking heads wherever they direct them. And how can you identify such an abandonment of basic elementary journalistic principles? Evidence of this approach often comes in the form of their methods of sourcing or of lacking proper sourcing of the claims they are actually promoting. For example, the use of anonymous intelligence sources. If you critically look at the avalanche of anti-Russian accusations by our government and reported by our press, which we have done intensively on this show, we find a pattern of accusations that lack the presentation of evidence to support the veracity being suggested of their claims. Just one example had to do with the June 2020 New York Times Russian bounty story that emerged right as the Trump administration was working to withdraw the United States from our 20-year involvement in the military activities in Afghanistan. Based upon a New York Times report that back in June 26 of 2020, virtually the entire media landscape had been engulfed in these allegations that Russia was paying Taliban fighters bounties to kill our U.S. soldiers. The New York Times reported in June that U.S. intelligence had concluded that the GRU, which is Moscow's military intelligence agency, had offered the bounties to Afghan militants connected to the Taliban to kill coalition forces in Afghanistan, including U.S. troops. And all of this was amid these peace talks. Very quickly, the Washington Post, just a day later on the 27th of June, and the Wall Street Journal on the same day published similar stories based on the same intelligence officers or officials who refused to give their names and did not appear to share any data or documents with the news organization. As documented in an important piece written by Alan McLeod back in July the 3rd, 2020, in the Russian bounty story evidence, free claims from nameless spies became fact overnight. He writes, unfortunately, reliance on such sources is near ubiquitous at the New York Times, as well as the Washington Post. On January 11th of 2011, FAIR, which is the Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, found that virtually every article on Afghanistan appearing in two outlets over the course of a week featured material from anonymous official U.S. sources. In fact, he refers to a February 28th, 20 statement to that issue of relying on anonymous sourcing from intelligence sources. 
quote, it is the job of covert security services to lie and manipulate. They are among the least trustworthy groups in the world, journalistically speaking, as part of their profession involves planting fake information. The only group less deserving of blind faith than spies would be anonymous spies. End quote. The accusations come at a time when the Trump administration was negotiating with the Taliban and had committed removing all of our troops from the country by the next year. A move, by the way, that was being blocked by the House Armed Services Committee because of the bounty scandal. And I think that points out to why the bounty scandal came when it came. It came to discredit and to reverse the Trump decision to end the war in Afghanistan. And I believe it very likely may have come in order to sabotage the direction of demilitarizing and removing U.S. troops from Afghanistan. Reports of Russia financing violence against U.S. troops came as Washington was gradually removing those forces. As reported at the end of June of 2020, Washington gradual withdrawal of forces from Afghanistan was according to Pentagon officials that were saying that the number of troops had been brought down to about 8,600, which was some 12,000 ahead of schedule. But if the Taliban indeed was being paid to kill American servicemen and women, Alan McClude in Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting writes, those U.S. losses in Afghanistan had actually greatly slowed from dozens dying every month during Obama's administration to only 22 in the past year. So over 1,700 died under Obama compared to just a few dozen under Trump. So anyone concerned about the lives of U.S. troops, the logical answer would be to remove them from Afghanistan. And then trying to wind this up a little bit and getting to the point of our show today and formally introducing our very special guest, let me just say that the accusations that Trump ignored intelligence that Russia offered to pay Taliban militants to kill U.S. troops in Afghanistan was proliferated by the news everywhere. A classified briefing that the White House gave to the Democrats on June 30th, 2020, Steny Hoyer, the Democrat from Maryland, said the president called this a hoax, this bounty story. Publicly, he said, Steny Hoyer, who says, nothing in this briefing that we have just received led me to believe it was a hoax. Yet, as we've already said, there was nothing but anonymous sourcing. Which led some of us to believe this may be just another Russia bashing story. Again, backed by accusations without proof. And Trump actually tweeted two days earlier that the reports of Russian bounties could be another fabricated Russia hoax. And he made that claim as president based that intelligence officials, quote, did not find this information credible and therefore did not report it to me. And in fact, this accusation was never confirmed by evidence. Yet thanks to the media public relations reporting led by respected quote-unquote journalists such as Rachel Maddow, this unsubstantiated claim became all but a certainty in the collective minds of the U.S. public without any real sourcing. So it was interesting that progressives like Rachel Maddow and MSNBC and CNN and NPR were pushing this unsubstantiated Russia bounty story very, very hard with the clear result of jeopardizing the movement towards the withdrawal of American forces in Afghanistan, suggesting that they were influenced by the very bellicose policies of most of the Democrats and Republicans in Congress rather than the avoidance of unjust conflicts and wars. But first, before going any further, I want to formally introduce our special guest, Kevin Costello. Welcome to Bringing Light into Darkness. Thank you. 
Let me just say, Kevin is a managing editor for Shadowproof. He curates the subscription newsletter, The Decenter, which you can find at thedecenter.org. It covers whistleblowers and the latest in WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange's case. He also is the author of a forthcoming book, Guilty of Journalism, The Political Case Against Julian Assange, which will be released in February of 2023. First, congratulations on your book release coming up in the next six months or so. And I think this is really the subject matter that I'm particularly interested in is the crisis of journalism in our country. It seems that everything is so pejorative, Kevin, that if WikiLeaks or Assange had been releasing proof of the war crimes of Russia or any other perceived U.S. adversary, his work would be celebrated as hugely important revelations, which they are. And Assange would be a hero and not a criminal. But because it had to do with these types of crimes and revealing crimes that we now know and we would not have known without these releases about U.S. policy makes him a criminal and not a hero. Let me just ask you, before we talk specifically about the Assange case, can you give us a backfill on the uh, events that occurred that led to uh, his incarceration in the Ecuadorian embassy and subsequent to that to his status today? Yeah. So Julian Assange, he came to prominence and became well-known in 2010, largely because of a soldier in the U.S. Army who's named Chelsea Manning, who was in Baghdad, Iraq, and had access to the secret databases as part of their work on supporting U.S. military operations and saw these different sets of documents that were military incident reports from Iraq and Afghanistan, which showed the small change of war, the day-to-day activities of soldiers. And then there were these over half a million diplomatic cables spanning from the early 2000s to 2010 that were released. Manning also provided Guantanamo files the report on every individual detainee who was ever captured. I think there was only one missing, all of them except one. The reports that the U.S. military put together on why they were keeping these prisoners at Guantanamo. And so we got amazing insights into how the U.S. government went about pursuing the war on terrorism globally, as well as what was happening in secret rooms, behind closed doors with diplomats, how they represent corporations and advance those interests in different countries, how they work against certain political factions in Latin America, in the continent of Africa, and other parts of the world. Let me just ask you, because this is important, in the context of these documents that are being released that you're, that you're referring to, can you also address the classification and declassification system itself. And if these documents are classified or declassified on merit, and when I say merit, in light of honest U.S. national security interest alone, or are they sometimes based on releases that would show the U.S. government to have been lying to the American public or being very embarrassed by their activities that they got caught doing or, or were ineffectual? Can you address that real quick or include that in your comments? Yes. It sounds like you're asking, does the government classify information 
that they don't want the public to learn because they're hiding wrongdoing or abuse or illegal actions. And I mean, they think it's absolutely the case that the government does do that because they're protecting the interests of the CIA or the NSA. I mean, we know from whistleblower Edward Snowden, who exposed the mass surveillance system, what was unfolding and how they were trampling on people's privacy rights systematically, not just in the US, but around the world. I mean, entire countries were being put under surveillance and probably still are. So yeah, I think absolutely. You know, the classification system has different tiers with top secret and sort of like need to know levels built into it at the very top. And then the information that we're discussing on the show today is pretty low level when it comes to classified information. It, none of it was the most secretive information that the government holds in these databases or has. I think that's really important because I think the American public should really know that so many of the WikiLeaks files that were made public showed, like, for instance, what you were saying, discussions at the embassy level and U.S. State Department level that showed our real intent in Honduras in 2009 or other places as well, rather than the stated you know, you get these talking heads and quote unquote military experts on all the major news channels talking about a foreign policy issue. But the way these people talk behind closed doors reveals much more to real motives that are really being hidden, which is not to promote democracy in the nation, but to promote perhaps a leader that will be more of a vassal state leader to the United States or Western interests and such. I don't mean to get off track here, but I do think it's really important to indicate how important the work that Assange, the work that Chelsea Manning, and the work that Snowden have done in releasing articles has so much more informed the U.S. public. Just real quickly, it reminds me of what the Pentagon Papers did to reveal the lies to the American public regarding Vietnam, or the Afghan Papers did to the reveal the lies to the American public that the U.S. or major media were, were spouting out there, just repeating these talking points of our government to the American public. And at the end, when you see these real documents, they're not changed, they're not in any way altered. They're the real language and recordings revealing these types of more criminal, say closer to criminal behavior than being honestly promoting diplomatic uh, democracy type stuff. I wanted to have you speak to the importance of the information that's available that would not have been available if we didn't ever have any of these whistleblowers. Yeah. And there are hundreds of thousands, but one that I always like to pull out and tell people because it represents a transformation in how we conduct warfare is that Barack Obama, when he was president, had people in his administration who were having conversations with the leaders of Yemen. And there was an understood agreement that is mentioned in one of the cables. I think David Petraeus is actually the one involved in the conversation. But in this meeting, we see that they have convinced the Yemeni government to agree to claim that the missiles that are killing alleged Al-Qaeda militants are 
actually coming from Yemen and not the U.S. drones or U.S. aircraft carriers or airships that are off the coast. And this is right at the time that we're seeing the U.S. prefer drone warfare over these major, massive occupations of countries. We're, we're moving away from Iraq. We're moving away from Afghanistan style occupations to the kind of, they would call it ability to use lily pads. So the bases become these places that you can basically leap off of in order to conduct these air operations and treat the whole world as a battlefield for these killer capture missions. And that's represented in this cable. So I think it's a really good example of something that today we just think it's a way of life. Like people are in Nevada and they're launching drone strikes and they go home to their families after they leave the the base and they don't have to be deployed in a combat zone. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting too, that you bring up Yemen because that is where the United States has been so complicit arming Saudi Arabia and the uh, it's now approaching some million deaths due to starvation and stuff in Yemen. But that's separate from your uh, yep. your point that you're making. The whole drone warfare and a lot of that and, and what the collateral civilian damage that was never reported, a lot of that came out in some of these WikiLeaks. Is that right? Yeah, no, that's correct. We, we learn about civilian deaths in Iraq. We learn about massacres that were going covered up and concealed. There's actually a massacre in Afghanistan called the Balabaluk massacre, in which we have a cable that shows the Red Cross is going to help the United States not call attention to the true scope of civilian casualties. And there were like 89 people who were killed. So here we see how things really work. Excuse me, but can you tell me, tell us a little bit more about the Red Cross? You said it was complicit with kind of covering up the strikes. Well, in this particular example, we have this cable that shows that the Red Cross is in conversation with an ambassador from the United States and knows exactly how many people were killed as a result of this military attack that was undertaken by NATO and U.S. forces. This happened in June of 2009. And the U.S. will claim that there are so many Taliban fighters that are killed, and it's just a small amount of civilians. And then the Red Cross was able to figure it out by talking with the people in the villages who exactly was killed and how many. And their number was more like 89 civilians killed. And I don't think they were coming up with the same figure of Taliban fighters. So it really was a massacre of civilians. And yet they, in putting together this report, come up with some kind of an agreement to not release that report and make a big deal out of it. Mm -hmm. And so they're basically serving the U.S. government by not engaging in accountability with and, and not making the the full nature of of their findings public. Mm-hmm. And we've we've seen that you know like we we've seen examples just in the last few weeks. We've seen that Amnesty International came under attack for simply applying their same human rights analysis to Ukraine as they would to Russia for saying that the Ukraine forces are using civilian zones to launch attacks and that is putting civilians at great risk and everyone says oh that's aiding russia that's helping the russian military with their invasion and 
It's just it's a part of holding people accountable in war. Yeah, it's just like you say, I mean, it's, it becomes political rather than really seeking the truth of the matter, right? New yeah. coverage should be, you know, the objective, what happened, who did it, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, before going any further, but this is really interesting what you're talking about, but can you take a step back and t- tell us a little bit about the charges, the formal charges against Assange and where the case sits regarding the extradition request by the United States and the impact that might, that might have on Assange. Yeah. Let me m- move more quickly through this answer because I think I can finish what I was saying and also address these, these charges. Because what I was getting to was that people should understand that WikiLeaks revolutionized journalism by coming up with this idea that you would publish documents and make them available to us you know, other journalists outside of media organizations, the general public, people all over in countries able to access those documents rather than a media organization keep that material in some kind of like closet after they were done using it, that we would never get to see those materials. And now we just take it for granted. Excuse me, Kevin, we need to take a brief pause for the cause. This is 91.7 KOOP, Hornsby, Austin, the premier community radio station of the nation. We will be back after a brief message or two. Don't touch that dial. 